We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody, to your Thursday, March 2nd edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We have a great guest. Jared Mueller is joining us. We are going to talk through his uh, first initial visit to Indianapolis for the Combine, what he's seen, what he's heard, and then we are going to talk about the ever-popular, blowing the news cycle away, NFLPA rankings of organizations in several different categories. So a lot of stuff going on here. Pretty pumped to have Jared here joining us. Jared, what's up, buddy? How's Indy treating you? You know, just as, as always, Indy is reminding me how freaking old I am. Um, and that's just, and yeah, it's, it just is, man. It is a lot of a lot. And so we literally were standing for three straight hours interviewing players, took a little bit of a break, didn't even get over to the NFL combine experience that we were supposed to show, like they were going to let us preview it and do some activities. And then we went right into Catherine Raich and Kevin Stefanski and Kevin Stefanski again. And so we've been uh, hopping and rolling here. So it's, it's good to see some people I haven't, I, I see literally once a year. That's great. Well, listen, there's, I know you bought new shoes. Uh, you, you really yeah, buddy. yourself in the, in the groove. Do you have the right arch support? Is the back doing okay early in the process here? You, you know, really, the back is good. It, it's it's a little bit the feet, a little bit the hip, because I'm old and uh, just literally standing in the same spot. And some of that is there are so many Cleveland media here that I got to the Stefanski podium 35 minutes early, and there's already two people there, and everybody else came like five minutes later. So, you know, I'm not going to be in the back row. I'm going to get my questions in. So if you're listening to those interviews with, with Stefanski and then some great interviews with players as well, Jared covered it really strongly. So we'll start with – players you went around it's obviously if you guys have been paying attention to the schedule the first group to show up is defensive line linebackers now Jalen Carter is the big news it is a really messy situation now this doesn't really focus in on the Browns all too much because the Browns aren't picking anywhere near where he's going to be was going to be we'll see selected but uh, I would just say a pretty I, I don't know what's the biggest pre-draft situation we've had what was the um laramie tunzel but that was like draft day this is this is a guy who could have been a top three pick it feels like now is in jeopardy of, of potentially serving a little bit of time 
or more. I know there were two misdemeanor charges uh, placed on him today. And he, he, he mentioned the exoneration seeking is what he's trying to do. But like, I have to imagine that was a circus. He was ready to come out and talk, right? Yeah. So it was a, it was really crazy. Like normally we have breaks between each kind of position group. Uh, but this today we didn't. So eight o'clock, it was edge rushers, nine o'clock linebackers, 10 o'clock was defensive tackles. Right. So it was really interesting. Uh, we started at about seven fifty-five. We started at, you know, just five minutes early for pretty much every group or a couple minutes early for every group. And all of a sudden we were about five, six minutes before the defensive tackle group came out and we're just, I'm sitting there waiting to, hopefully I was going to hit Mozzie Smith and Keanu Benton. They were at the same time. So I was like, all right, I'll get Mozzie. Then I'll run over there, whatever. And all of a sudden, like, no. So Benton comes out and one other guy comes out. Nobody else comes out. I'm sorry. No, no one comes out for the first 20 minutes. And we're like, what in the world? And, And so that six minutes before is when all of a sudden the news starts popping. And so we're like, oh, man, what's going on with Carter? He's supposed to talk in 36 minutes, right? Whatever. And then 20 minutes later, so supposed to be at 10 o'clock, 1020, Benton comes out, a couple other defensive tackle comes out, uh, but Mozzie does, never comes out. Nobody, you know, it's just, it was just a really weird setting. And then by the time you got to about 1025 or so, when a couple of the guys came out, down at, at the number one podium, crowd just gathered because that's where Jalen Carter was supposed to be. Um, but uh, I'll just... Behind the scenes, Zach Gilbert, who used to uh, work PR for the Cleveland Browns, now works for NFL. One of the things the communication group does is puts up the new name tags, the new the new tags in front of them, the the placards. And there's number one with no placard. And you have a crowd of about 50 media, at least, standing around podium number one, wondering what's going to happen and not really, you know, trying to get updates, whatever. And then nothing. And then Mozzie Smith never comes out. A few other guys never come out. Um, They say it's because of the medical delay, but it also kind of a little bit seemed like kind of a cover because then they said, well, Jalen Carter is a part of that. But we had separate reports that Jalen Carter was already on his way out of Indianapolis at that point in time. So it was just a really weird setting where not a lot of information was communicated and people were just kind of waiting around. Pretty chaotic for something that's systematic and always on time and like down to the minute pretty crazy for that to happen you you went around and you talked to backers you talked to edge guys you got whatever defensive tackles you could who talk to us about who you talked to today and who stood out to you uh, in any way shape and form yeah so just very specific like there's a lot of guys and I really want to spend most of my time with one guy maybe two guys and so I started out with uh Thule and I want to get these names right so I got the pronunciation guide Thule Tui Polo too. Um, so I've botched it seven times at least. Yeah, it's it's killing me. I just botched it on another. On a, I was on Radio Road just before this, uh, and I was like, ah, terrible. But can't really hold it up in front of me. Um, let me tell you, Thule really impressed me. Uh, the conversation that we had, and just looking at his body type, you would have never guessed that this guy at some point in time measured in at two ninety. Current expectations are he's going to be two eighty something tomorrow as six foot four. So this isn't a guy who's you know, 6'6", 280, you know, he's not Calais Campbell at whatever he is. He's 6'4", which is still tall, obviously, but he puts his, his weight looks really, really good for a player that a lot of people wonder if he should move inside. Uh, so, you know, he talked about that. He talked about being okay with moving inside, but really feeling like he's better on the edge. 13 and a half sacks this year. Like there's a lot of good that you see, you know, out of Thule that you're like, is this a fit, right? For the Browns who have some needs on the defensive line, a player who can play inside, play outside, 
you know, when you add Alex Wright to that, is he kind of the perfect addition, not the only addition, right? But the perfect addition so that you can have him, Alex Wright, uh, and Miles Garrett on the field at the same time. Really at that point, then if you can bring in kind of a big old beefy dude uh, to kind of play that that zero or that one, uh, that shade, like I think that's really, um, that could be a kind of a perfect combination. So really impressed with Thule. Uh Next to him was Addy Tommy Wa. At a bar, eh? uh, out of Northwestern, which we saw him really dominate, um, you know, at the Senior Bowl, it was really interesting to hear, even just the verbal difference between him and Tuli. Uh, Tuli was really kind of not soft spoken, but kind of direct, just kind of a normal conversation. Uh, and Addy is just, uh, I, from what we understand, he likes to go by Tommy. Uh, is just a booming voice. Like he's just a lot of energy, that kind of stuff. So those were two of the guys early that I really was impressed just kind of with kind of how they communicated, what they talked about. Uh, and also two kind of guys that 10 years ago would be considered tweeners that may not have been drafted until third, fourth, fifth round, just because they don't really have that kind of pure position. But today's NFL, I think they are, they really fit well if they can do a lot of the things that we hope that they can do. So those are some of the early guys. And then Zach Harrison's a guy that, is probably going to get drafted higher than his production uh, just based on his traits, especially if he tests well here at the Combine or we know Ohio State, uh, the track is normally pretty quick. I think the, I think he's going to test really well, um, and I think that's going to, to really help him out. So in the early group, those were some of the guys that really kind of stood out to me. Harris, an absolute freak of nature runner in high school at Olentangy Orange, uh, not too far from here in Columbus. Uh, He's a, he's going to, I would imagine he's going to blow up the combine. I've, I've actually no doubt about it, that he's going to test himself really well. And um, that was pretty evident from back in his high school days. So yeah, good stuff. All three of those guys are on the Browns radar, obviously positions of need. Then Kevin Stefanski got up, spent some time talking, went through a myriad of different things. Hit the highlights on that. If you can, Jared. You know, I think Stefanski, uh, the first thing he really hit and it really, I'll just be honest. It upsets a lot of the local media. He will, he is going to have, he's going to take care of play calling again. Right. And it really does piss off the media when the local media that he will not give up play calling or they, he won't say to them some kind of more definitive answer than he thinks it's best for the team. But it's very clear that he thinks it's best for the team, but he also really spent a lot of time talking about, you know, whether it's, um, Bill Musgrave coming in, uh, AVP kind of going back in at, and having the voice in the quarterback room. Uh, he was never out of the quarterback room last year. Uh, Kevin said that Kevin and AVP are in every quarterback meeting, uh, but last year Drew was the primary voice, and now AVP will have that role. Um, but Kevin really, both in the uh, podium time and then the local media, we get to talk to him again, which is a really funny thing that happens. It's not just the Browns. Almost every team – Anybody can ask questions at the podium and then locally you're allowed to kind of go across and have this quiet conversation with them. Uh, it's just a really weird kind of setup. Um, but he talked a lot about just kind of really liking what uh, he's getting out of or what he has set up for the offensive guys. And then uh, really loving the thing that he hit on, which Jim Schwartz hit on in his introductory press conference is just how good Schwartz's uh, coaching of coaches is. He's he had their offices are right next to each other, and Kevin has been in and overheard him coaching coaches. And Kevin really feels really strongly about what Jim Schwartz is bringing to not only to what he's going to bring to the defensive players, but really what he brings to kind of coaching those coaches up. Um, 
he also talked a little bit about Jason Tarver and just how him and Schwartz kind of speak the same language and keeping him on was a big deal uh, through all that. But as always, Kevin Savansky and Andrew Barry really rarely ever say anything very, very strong. Uh, and so this year it was really the, the fact that he's going to, you know, he's going to continue to call plays. Uh, it feels like in years past, sometimes that's kind of drug on into training camp. Uh, but this year, it's just very clear. It's going to be Kevin Stefanski, uh, despite, you know, bringing in Bill Musgrave and some of those kind of guys. A couple notes there. First of all, he's going to have to be, Short's going to have to be really good at coaching up his guys because there are some people here lingering from the issues. And that makes a lot of people uh-huh. apprehensive about who's here and what they're doing and the former staff lingering over. And I understand that. So obviously imperative. Hey, second, for all of you people, and especially those who continue to complain, if Alex Van Pelt's a known commodity in the NFL. Okay. If they, if they wanted, if anybody else wanted to take him to call plays, he could have gone. Like he could have gone. So that's what the NFL thinks of Alex Van Pelt, who's just, he's a quarterback coach. Like that's what his role is, man. Like it's not listed. He's listed as an OC. He's not calling plays. He's not, he's not the leading charge of game plans. Like he's a glorified quarterback coach. That's, that's just what it is. And, Again, it's not like Van Pelt's 27, 28, some new guy breaking into the league here that no one else knows. Everybody in the NFL putting staffs together knows Alex Van Pelt. If they thought he was a fantastic play caller, they would have called and hired him. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I like AVP, and I think the role is fine for him. But this over-valuing like, of what he does and like this this thought that he can he can handle calling plays is like, it's just it's it's the longest ongoing joke to me. So believe it's it that. it's the yeah. Well, I'll say it's the hilarious mystery box, right? You could have the boat or you could have the mystery box, oh, and it's man. this assumption like it's it's hilarious, right? Andy Reid is constantly in his Denny's menu, right? The exact same thing. Why do you only see Kevin Stefanski with his Denny's menu? Because the only time they shoot to him is when he's calling a freaking play, right? Like you don't, they don't shoot to Kevin Stefanski when the defense is on the field, when special teams on the field. And if they do, he's not looking at his menu, right? He's not looking at his play menu, not Denny's menu. He he's not, but every coach who calls plays has their menu in their face when they're calling plays. That's how they call plays, but they're paying attention to the game the camera is literally set to go on to him when he's making that decision. That's what they find interesting. So that's when they do it. Yeah. He should pay CBS and Fox sports next year to just focus <laughs> on him when he's talking to players, when he's in, in any state of emotion, they should just like, Hey, I only want you showing Kevin during these things. If you cut to him with this, with this play call sheet, we're done. Like you're, you're done. You're not coming back to Cleveland or something. I don't know. Cause people presume that just because they flash to him for a second, that means that that's what he's doing the entirety of the game. And it's just like the longest ongoing joke of, of ridiculous, of many ridiculous things. So uh, that's the update from Indy. We appreciate Jared for that. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, the only break of this episode and come back and just kind of both go through this um, NFLPA report card. That is the hot button topic of the NFL. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Jared, so the NFLPA put out this um, player reaction. Team report cards are what they're calling it. And what they're looking to do is improve the overall working conditions of their players. Daily experience of the players at the team facilities, which I would imagine that if you talk to some big-time program guys like Iowa State, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, they're probably going to tell you they're getting a lot of these things at the college level. So I think the NFLPA is probably recognizing some of that and trying to put it into action. Um, because like, listen, if you go to Woody Hayes, if you're around Ohio, you go to Columbus and you go to Woody Hayes, it's unbelievable. And then you go down, if you go up to Berea and you can see the obvious deficiencies, Berea is not bad. They've done a great job improving a lot of things up there, but the problem is it's still not up to par. They were the first team to have an indoor training facility, but they decided they didn't have enough space there to make it a hundred yard field. So imagine you're this NFL organization and your players don't even have an indoor 100-yard practice facility to, to participate in. And from that, the reason the Browns got some of their worst grades is that, and it says here, uh, when you look at the Browns, you can go to this report card. I'll put the link to this in, in the bio of this podcast in case you were oblivious and missed it. It'll take you right to Cleveland. Um, but the weight room is not sufficient enough, right? And even during the COVID scenario, when they were spacing people out, the weight room couldn't hold everybody. So it was like spilling into the the indoor facility. It was a mess. I mean, not that COVID didn't create mess for a lot of teams, but like it just became obvious they didn't. They just don't have enough space in Berea now. I don't know. I don't know, Jared, if you know more about the plans and they're expanding and what they're going to do here. But like that place is just not up to par. It's, it's nice. It's not that I'm saying this is a dump. It's nice. It's just very space restricted. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're landlocked in Berea. If you've ever been there for training camp, um, it's a lot of homes. There's there's a couple businesses, and then there's some highways. So there's a lot of landlocked issues, um, and you have a lot of people that, from what I understand and have been told in the past, they're not going to sell their house because it's next to the to to the training camp. Like it's one of like the perks of the community, and mm-hmm. and it's also the negative of parking and all that. So there's just some landlocked issues there. Um, I know that, and they mentioned it in here that the Browns. Um, they build a new recovery room um, before the 2022 season. And so that was helpful. That's a part of the process. And they're continuing to work on that. They're just really limited. And I think that's what's good about this report. I know that sounds silly to say, um, but it's literally the things that they can control. Most of those are pretty good scores. The things that they, they're they working on trying to figure out the locker room and kind of the overall space, the weight room, those kind of things, those are things a little bit outside of their control. The, the area that I think they can make the most improvement is the food service and nutrition. It sounds like, unlike some teams that like charge their players for dinner, right, Eagles or don't to take dinner it. home. There's three teams that don't even provide it. Yeah, there's some crazy stuff there. I think the Browns do provide everything. It's just not as good as some of the, as the players would want. But I think the, the number one kind of, telling thing about that is a hundred percent of the players believe that Jimmy Haslam will spend the money to do whatever's possible to improve the facility. So they're just really speaking real about what is real. 
but it's not like, again, the Jags who had rats, right? <laughs> or for weeks on end, they had rats or, um, you know, the Cardinals who were charging for meals and coffee or whatever, the Bengals not having a bunch of different things. Like most of the things are pretty good and the players um, think the owner wants to pay for it. And that's the other part of this. This was not just the NFL PA. Like they literally said, we want to give free agents as much information as possible. And this is the information that they believe the players want. Now it's a year past, right? So the the actual evaluation uh, and assessment was done kind of last year, not the last uh, football year, the year before that, as kind of the way to kind of uh, make sure that players couldn't kind of have any type of repercussions. Things would be a little bit farther in the distance mm-hmm. when some of the comments came out and that kind of thing. It's interesting, though, because you got to take into mind that the frame of reference for a lot of these guys is different, right? You only see if you're a, I mean, this is just the fact of the NFL. Not many guys make it to multiple organizations. That's just the nature of it. So your frame of reference and comparison of certain things can be skewed. Say you're a guy who comes like Alex Wright. He comes from UAB. Facilities, not great at UAB. Maybe didn't get on many on-site visits to other organizations. So he's comparing it to something maybe in college, right? That he doesn't have. And and it's a great, everything's awesome where you get maybe like greedy Williams who comes from LSU. Go look at LSU's locker room. I'm telling you, go look at their facilities, go look at what they're doing or Jacob Phillips or some of these guys who come up to Cleveland. And it's like, well, this is not even what I had at college. So their frame of reference is different or take a Jadevian Clowney who would have been involved in this. A guy who's been with multiple organizations where things are different. So it's just all relative. Like you can't take this as Bible, but it is a baseline for understanding of where they're sort of looked at across the league. So that's imperative to remember. Other little notes before we start kind of going through one by one. The second issue we talked about already, the first, is that the 15 to 20 yards of the indoor facility is taken up by the weight room. The second issue is the locker room where they believe it's the smallest in the league, which I believe. And I'm talking the one at First Energy Stadium, which I know you know, Jared. That thing's small, too. Like, it's obviously not the same locker room. This is very common where you don't have, like, one central stadium locker room where you operate out of practice and games. You have two different ones. Berea is a different location than First Energy Stadium, so you have two locker rooms, both of which are small. um, No doubt about that. So that's, that's a fact. Whereas like there are some places where I believe like Carolina had there like well, I think the dream for the Browns would be to wherever they end up moving the stadium to ultimately put in a, a facility, everything around the stadium so it could all be centralized like that would be the goal. It would make everything easier for everybody, in my opinion. But then, like you said, there's some landlocked stuff and figuring out a space to do that is not always the easiest thing to do. But that would give you a solution to building out a fantastic stadium locker room and having everything intertwined in this this locker room that is of one place because most of these universities now high state's different but they have so much money they can do two great locker rooms that's not a challenge where i do think the browns are looking at like okay we're landlocked we're building locked also first energy stadium was built in 99 there's only so much structural change we can do to this thing and they're looking forward and the good thing is jimmy haslam is just like Andrew Spade said yesterday, it's a fountain of money for that guy. Like the money does not stop pouring in. And it's true. It's different from Mike Brown down in Cincinnati, right? It's different from other uh, owners who don't have as much cash uh, influx as, as Jimmy does. So you do have some some maneuverability there, which I think is is reasons for optimism, in my opinion. Absolutely. And I even think like big picture, and I hadn't really thought about the idea of ever moving away from Bria. Maybe they wouldn't do it permanently but maybe 
during the season they just do everything in Cleveland, but Berea is their off or off season home or whatever training I think camp. They or signed whatever. something to stay there for a little while too. So I, that's not happening yeah. while anybody playing now is a part of the organization. Put it that way. Yeah, I mean, you're still, obviously even still building, but even the thought of, like, if everything in season is in Cleveland, is in downtown, like, does that lead to more players renting or owning apartments downtown instead of, you know, you got a lot of players, not that that's, it's a bad thing, but I wonder if it would centralize things a little bit more, even from a city perspective where players are spending their money in downtown a little bit more, doing things in downtown, living in downtown, whereas, well, Berea's down here, Cleveland's up here, I'll live over here, live over there, you'll live over there, right? There's a little bit more of a spread out nature to the team and, and maybe even where the money goes. I, I wonder if it would centralize that a little bit. But yeah, I think overall, like, obviously, I don't think Jimmy Haslam big picture has been a great owner, but we know without a doubt, like that dude was paying so many millions of dollars to former coaches, right? Like at any time he was paying two or three different head coaches, like he's going to spend the money. It's whether or not the decisions are really good. But I think when we're talking about these really big decisions, the fact that Jimmy Haslam is the owner is actually a really positive thing. Yeah. For, for things that need to spend money, no doubt about it. I think that this has just struck a chord across the league. And I think if you look around at beat writers across the NFL, a lot of them are talking about it. And a lot of players, coaches, front office folks are reaching out about it too. Like these things are going to be widely debated. Let's quickly go through each one. So treatment of um, families. So this is like, you know, whether that's a welcoming move in situation, helping people get squared away, different things at the location, the Browns got to see, so they were ranked 22nd in support of players' families, which is never good enough. You need that to be better, especially when that's something you can really control. It says they offer a family room and daycare. Post-game gathering areas ranked 25th. Um, I don't really know where that area would be. If it's right there by the tunnel to go out in the field, Like I'm not sure where that would be. Uh, under the stadium uh, yeah i'm not sure i can tell you from uh, from um infiltrating the friends and family part of of training camp a few different times um just because that's sometimes just easier for the process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you the families really do see everything on the sideline yeah, you could but not only can you see everything but uh you can have some really good conversations with mothers uh fathers uh girlfriends uh wives and families. And I've had all of those conversations. And one of the things is, and I I can tell you a really well-paid defender's family uh, was trying to organize like family connectivity or wives of, and you know, all that kind of stuff and just didn't really feel supported or, or allowed or pushed by kind of the organization. And it actually goes back to a little bit of the paranoia that the organization has of, of letting things be kind of organized outside of their control. So literally this family was like trying to get phone numbers and stuff like that while under this tent, while we're watching practice. So it's not a terrible thing, but there's just not a lot of like, let's make it happen. It's if it happens, great. We'll have a room. We'll have a daycare, right? Those types of things. But we're not going to like try to advocate or create this experience. Yeah, I would agree. I haven't heard anything overwhelmingly one way or the other. That C feels like a pretty uh, appropriate grade there. Um, yeah. Food service, nutrition, D plus. All three meals are provided. The quality of the food is ranked 24th. 80% of players say there's enough room in the cafeteria. I don't know, man. Maybe the cooks just suck. Maybe the menus suck. Maybe the players need input on it. I don't know what that means, but uh, 24th is not good. Ple- nope. seems like there's plenty of uh, pretty good chefs around the Cleveland Berea area that they could bring in to do this sort of thing. Maybe it'll be a wake-up call, Jared. So 
Tied for 18. I think, I think it will. Honestly, all of the things that can be controlled, Jimmy Haslam's going to see this as a slap in the face. That can be controlled. Yeah. Tied for 18th, though. D plus. Seems sort of average, but D plus. So, but must D be plus. a pretty uh, <laughs> weighted scale on that one. The weight room is a D plus. We all we get it, right? 100% of the players uh, feel like they have enough strength coaches, which is great. They gave him an A plus. They think, and especially interesting, there's a couple parts of this that are interesting from the things they can control side. Um, I remember Duke Duke Meriwether Meriwether kind of critiquing some of the things the Browns were doing Mm -hmm. and pretty vocally. So for players to feel like they really like the strength coaches and what they're doing and they have enough of them and they're getting specific focus is good. The indoor facility and all of that is small. I totally get it. You can't do anything about it right now, Um, I guess, unless they – uh, like you said, they buy out some area or they push, they push, I guess, if you're looking north, you push east. I'm not, I'm not sure, man. I'm not, it's like, I don't know how they rectify that, but nonetheless, like we know the area is small, but it's good to see them have an A plus tied for first with 98% of the players they believe in an individual plan um, on how to, you know, improve their strength. Cause that's what you want to hear that they, they feel like they have a way to get better and they're getting that specified attention. Yeah, and the the same thing, because I'll skip with that when we get down to the enough PTs and trainers. Like, I think one of the things, it's so hard because we just don't have enough energy to focus on every team. Like, it doesn't feel like this is a team that, it feels like they have a lot of bad in, bad injury luck, right? They have a lot of soft tissue and all that stuff. That was so the, the, fact that 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 was the, the players, debate back yeah. with Hugh, right? Where Hugh was like trying to push them and we were all sort of debating that of whether yep. they had a good training staff or not. Now, players don't always know the <laughs> the best things, but it is nice for them to feel like they're supported there. Yeah, I think that's something, like, if you're a free agent, those are things, like, yeah, food's food, but I can always, I'm rich, I can order food, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the space is space, whatever, get some more charging space. But, like, these are two, like, I would probably really high, highly prioritize if I was a, an athlete and like I, my money was based on my body. Like these are two areas where I'm like, man, got enough strength coaches and the PT stuff like tied for fifth. Like, heck yeah. Like those are two kind of huge areas that were, were big for me. I totally agree. Reading through some of it, the brand new tra- uh, recovery room that you alluded to, Jared, that gives them their B plus in, in a uh, training room tied for fifth, which is, which is great. of the players feel they have enough trainers. 85% players feel like they have enough physical therapists, steam room, sauna room. There is a steam room. 97% of guys feel it's big enough. Sauna room, 90% feel it's big enough. So maybe the linemen are the 10% that feel like they need more space. (laughs) Uh, Tubs, they have 63% of the players feel like they have enough hot tub space. That's 23rd and 19th. And players that feel like they have enough cold tub space. So, you know, that's part of maybe they didn't, quite upgrade that yet and they're going to be yeah you like the a and training staff players feel the trainers significantly add to their individual success so that's uh that's pretty great those well, are good to, those are good yeah. things and the, to be honest like with the tubs the sauna room is you know those are big the steam room the sauna room with tubs like the reality is no player wants to wait you know this like and so if unless you have enough tubs that all 53 70 guys can be in at the same time you're probably going to get some I'm guessing those numbers are pretty low, generally speaking, unless you just literally basically have enough tub space for every single player to be in at any time that they want. Yeah, fair enough. It's uh, always touchy, right? Like, I remember we got those at the Division <laughs> Three level, this state-of-the-art training facility, which was awesome. But it's like, wow, they're going to try to put about 12 of us in this cold tank. That's not enough space, even though it was huge <laughs> and it was great. But, you know, it's all relative. Uh, the locker room's a D plus. We talked about it. They, the 45% of players feel like they have enough space, which is terrible. 
That's 30th ranked. Players feel like lockers are small, limited lounge space, always on top of each other. I think that's obvious. If you watch like players' Instagram uh, stories and videos and lives and stuff like that, you can see, you can see these guys are they need they need to upgrade it badly. Just put it that. And again, that's like something to remind you is like not all owners are even able. So again, I know I said earlier, but like go look at what Jerry World, what they build out in Dallas. Like that's an unbelievable facility. Like, I think Jimmy Haslam has the ability to pay for something similar. I really do. It's just a matter of can he find the space. Texas creates a little bit more space than, <laughs> you know, than, than what you have over in Cleveland. Uh, but, but, but again, like, it's the first step of the whole equation is do you have somebody that can do it? And they do. So I think it'll happen. It's just the timing of which, as we have read uh, over the weekend and early this week, as there are going to be issues between the city mayor, who's paying for what and the other I don't think it's going to be done in like 2025. Like it's not, it's probably like a 2030 thing. Like it just, it's a ways off and you got to, not only do you have to get it approved and all the things and the land and where you're doing it and all that stuff, you got to also build it. And as you know, that it takes a while, man. So I just, it's not as close as some people think it is put it that way. Yeah. And I think that's the, I mean, the reality, and I, I said this to somebody who was just a, a friend of mine who's was annoyed by it, is these are two people who are in control. And if you get into any situation where two people are in absolute total control of their side of a conversation, and when you add politics to it, and I'm not, I don't know the, the politics of Cleveland, whatever, but when you add politics to it and, and you have a mayor who doesn't want to look like he lost or he sold out the city, you know, just all of the, the stuff that goes on with politics – and you have an owner who literally prints money, but one of the ways rich people stay rich is not by making poor choices, right? And and by keeping their money or by saving their money. So he's not just going to go, "Hey, I'm going to pay for three billion dollars of a stadium if I can get if they can get the city to play pay half of that, right? Like that's just what rich people do. They they try to run really good deals so that they keep as much money as they can. It's no different than me. Like I'm going to go to the discount store. If I can get the same deal on my awesome Brooks that I'm wearing this week, I got those at Dick's Warehouse, not Dick's Sporting Goods because they were $30 cheaper, right? So they're just doing it in the mills and bills instead of the $30 cheaper. You hear Jared comparing himself to Jimmy Haslam live on this podcast, just so you guys know. Poorly. Comparing poor, poor, poorly. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you're right, man. It's, it's weird how things like that always work out for those people that already have money. Just, uh, just, crazy. just a weird thing. Last thing is team travel. So they were 21st, which this has got to get better. You got you got to be better here, especially when, like, again, you know, you cannot improve certain aspects of it. I would just I would be fascinated to see if they do this again next year and what improves, because you can control certain things they cannot control like their spaced out issues right now. And we've talked about this, but like you can control food, you can control team travel, that's stuff, the family stuff. It's got to be better. So tied for 21st isn't acceptable when you have an abundance of money. 67% of players feel like they have enough room to spread out. You want that higher. No roommates is nice because guys want to be on their own and get their sleep and rest peacefully and a good amount of first class seats, but just, it needs to whatever you need to sweeten that up. Because again, your point here is right on. This isn't about like, look at us. This is about appealing yourself to free agents and draft selections who are excited to come join your organization. So this matters, whether we want to believe it or not, this changed the NFL landscape today because we've never seen anything like this. And now we have qualitative ways to understand where does the organization rank amongst their peers? Not perfect by any means. And I've explained this at the beginning. 
but it does tell you where you compare. And if I'm a free agent, like I've never been to Cleveland, I've never been to the Browns. What do they look like compared to like, what do my peers think? You're going to look here and that matters, man. It does. And I think what's going to be an A, um, we won't know the effect based on the survey until 2025, right? So next year's report will be for last season. So next year's report really isn't going to be impacted by the fact that this one was just uh, sent out. So that's going to be kind of sad, right? Like, unfortunately, the one we get next year is going to be before this one, you know, had already been done, basically. Even the travel thing, I think, is really interesting because a good amount of first-class seats and no roommates, those are two huge ones. I wonder if some of this is because from a health and safety perspective, I do believe the Browns think it's better for the team to bus to Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, maybe even Detroit, Indianapolis, whatever, than it is to fly, like just from a physical health perspective, going up and down and all that all that goes with it. I do think the, the the team actually believes it's better for the for the players. Well, buses, even if you have 20 of them, it's harder. They're not built in a way to feel really spread out. Uh, so I wonder if that's part of it is just because of how close some of the games are that they take the bus maybe more often than, than other teams do. I, I could be wrong. I just wonder if that's the issue with having enough room to spread out. Hard to do that in any kind of bus unless you're, you know, got a tour bus where five people are on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. I, I think you look around this fun. You get to look around the league, Arizona Cardinals. Yikes. <laughs> F, F minus, F minus, F minus, like an F and they have five F's of the possible opportunity. Um, Ravens with an F minus in strength staff. Uh, other people in the uh, Bengals have two F's. Treatment of f- families is an F for the Bengals. F minus in nutrition, a D in locker room and a D minus in training room. Um, so they're obviously down below. And then you're looking around at like teams that are also um, – doing really well like minnesota all a's across the board i don't know if they paid their guys they got out in front of this or something uh paid their guys but looking at pittsburgh on the way out the door so pittsburgh has a a d minus in treatment of facilities and and um i think they have a d plus in facility or a training room d minus as well in um uh locker room so not perfect facilities over there pittsburgh but um, they did, they did well in some categories. They did well in strength staff and nutrition and some of those things, but it's like the Browns are that far off here. There are some organizations like the chargers, uh, also really struggled They had a D minus F F minus D minus. Like there's some really ugly report cards here. And I think that's, what's interesting. Well, I mean, think of the chargers they're renting basically right from the Rams. So they mm-hmm. kind of got the screwed end of that new stadium. Uh, even like we think of really well organization run organizations. And I wanted to look at like the staff stuff. Cause I think that's vital. Obviously you can tell the Baltimore Ravens are F minus in strength staff. Like, I love that I can sort this by uh, grade. So it just allows me to look at the worst teams, right? Mm-hmm. F minus in strength staff. The New England Patriots have the first fourth worst grade in strength staff, they're a B plus, right? So it tells you the Atlanta Falcons and the Baltimore Ravens strength staff suck compared to everybody else. And then you look at training staff, right? You have a couple D's Kansas city is a D minus in a training staff. So you have two organizations that are really held up there as like great organizations. And they are the worst in two of the areas that I would think are really, really important. And even that the Kansas city chiefs are D plus, you know, they're down at the bottom of, of nutrition. So like, it's interesting that really good, well-run organizations are the worst in some of these really important categories where we would assume they were near the top of most of these categories. So I do love it from that perspective. We can start to sort, start to look at 
none of these organizations really have it all together. Maybe there are some, but it doesn't look like it. Yeah, you wonder how much players' honesty about training staffs and stuff, you know, curious or concerned about anonymity. Because, uh, like, mm-hmm. it's weird that, like you said, the Chiefs have the worst graded training staff at a D minus, but then the fourth lowest is a B. So, like, it jumps up <laughs> to a B within the 29th team. You know, it's kind of right, kind of strange. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a good baseline, something to talk about. And I think it does play a little bit of part in giving yourself a bit of a health check in terms of where – you know, where you are as an organization, um, you know, perception wise. So fun stuff, Jared. Thanks, man. Um, for a, you know, giving us combine insights and then going through this, this, uh, report card information with us. We appreciate your time, buddy. Uh, all the best the rest of this week, this weekend, stay safe over there and, uh, keep those soul and, 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 you know, arch supports in those shoes. We don't want you coming down with a back injury. Yeah, well, listen, I got enough back problems as it is. The old man will keep on keeping on. I get to play some at a 16-bit bar sometime tonight and then, nice. you know, some some nice stuff. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> listen, man, take care. Have fun. We appreciate you, Jared. We appreciate you guys for stopping by. For myself, for Jared, for the OBR, thanks for being here. Continue to check out all the coverage from Brad Stainbrook over there and Fred Greetham doing a great job covering everything that they can cover both at the Combine and, um, you know, covering those press conferences as well. And then we're continuing to put up probability scales for uh, free agents looking at defensive tackles. Those are available for you to consume. Check that out among your usual free agency mock and daily mock. Continue to check those out. Thanks for being here. Thanks again to Jared. Thanks again to you guys. Have a great Thursday. Go Browns.